0: Heel, damn it. Heel, mother... Heel, heel mother... Heel mother... If you like your comedy, jet black and taboo busting, it's hard to look beyond one man. A dog is not human, it's an animal. Nature doesn't care about them. It's sad but true. We're a dog's only friend. Todd Solondz is a writer and director who's forged a career exploring the dark recesses of suburban America. Having won the Sundance Grand Jury Prize with his debut feature, Welcome to the Dollhouse, he then gained notoriety for Happiness, which explores themes including rape, paedophilia, murder and suicide. controversial it won numerous awards and established Todd's reputation as a witty fearless and challenging storyteller Dad, do you know how many inches your penis is do you want me to measure I'm Edith Bowman and you're listening to Soundtracking a podcast released every Friday in which I speak to cinema's biggest names about how they use music in their work We've already had the pleasure of Ben Wheatley and David Ayers' company, and can look forward to hearing from Todd Phillips, John Favreau, and Richard Link later in the coming weeks. But this episode is all about Mr. Sullins. I caught up with him on the release of his latest offering, Wiener Dog. In it, he presents us with four episodes from the lives of different characters, united by their separate encounters with the eponymous Dash Hound. As with all Todd's work, the narrative's bleak satire is offset by pathos, melancholy, and laugh-out-loud dialogue.
1: I think it's really great that you got a new dog, and it's so cute. What's its name? Cancer. Why would you name it that? It felt right.
0: It demonstrates his passion for music too, featuring collaborations with Nina Persson and Avenger Barnhart, who penned a song performed by a comic mariachi band during one of the movie's pivotal scenes. You'll hear that in a moment. But we begin with Wiener Dog's very own song, written by Emmy Award-winning composer Mark Shaman and lyricist Scott Whitman. It was inspired by A Country Great and plays during an old-fashioned intermission in the middle of the film. song's an absolute pleasure and I'm really excited to talk to you about music. Let's start off with Wiener Dog and the dog's got its own theme tune which is great. Was that something that came into your head in the writing process or was it something you thought about during production?
1: Well I had an interlude in mind from the start and musically I thought of Johnny Cash's song The Ghost Riders. An old cowboy went riding out one dark and windy day on a ridge he rested as he went along his way, when all at once a mighty herd of red-eyed cows he saw, plowing through the ragged, ragged skies, and up a cloudy draw. And I had known Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman and asked if they could do something in that spirit and uh, I described lyrically what I was looking for and um, I'd worked with them before and so they came through like that. But on wagon and on foot The pioneers began to roam Crossing mountains, forging rivers On the quest to find a home They all had band together. Ah, but legends walk alone. On the trail for something better and a place to call their own. Weeder dog, weeder dog, just looking for some shelter and a place to rest.
0: It's wonderful how, with you and with all your films, the characters drives the story on when you are thinking about music with your films
1: where does music fit it's funny it, it depends on the movie some movies I know from the start what I'm looking for musically and others I find it I figured out in the post period with this one I had four discreet sounds because um, uh, there are four stories the first one I knew in the writing stage I was going to use Claire de Lune In the second one, I didn't uh, know uh, how that was going to work, but I knew Nathan Larson and Nina Person and had worked with them before and um, felt that they would key into this, the, the quality I was looking for. So that worked out very nicely. and Ventra Banhart, of course who, yes. who yeah i've i've worked with him as well before and i articulated exactly what i needed and and he gave me exactly what i wanted <speaking in Spanish> For the DeVito section I'd been thinking of him as a kind of Woody Allen like character sound or Seinfeld or Kirby or Enthusiasm as a reference and so I came up with a Claude Bowling reference Work out, lose weight
0: you're ticking time bomb
1: and then had a composer which i discovered from my music supervisor and uh, when i came across it i had a sense that this guy could come through
0: I'm trying to, I know that you played piano when you were younger and cello as well, so you have a knowledge of music in your head and composition and things like that, which I imagine is useful.
1: It's true, I guess, my music background was helpful in just speaking the language that, that I think that musicians uh, use. It's, it's about finding the right balance. And I love figuring this out. But as I say, with, with each movie, it's different. Yeah. And uh, this one, it was half, certain things like Devendra, I knew I had to figure that out because I needed it before I shot. And the rest, I, I found it. I, I actually worked a lot with some temping, some Scriabin music, which was a reference for Nathan Larson. And, and he understood and was very keen on hearing that as a reference.
0: I kind of felt that when I first became aware of your filmmaking that you used music very differently to other people. There's no one really uses music the same way as you. It's very subtle. It's not overused. It's like a colorscape almost in a way. Well, I think
1: when you use music, you want it either to accentuate something that's already there on screen and take it to another emotional level. Or it can serve as a kind of counterpoint to what you see on screen. The one thing you don't want is just to repeat what you already have on screen. In fact, the fourth story doesn't have any music except for one journey like song. I love working with musicians. I do. I don't know if they love working with me, but <laughs> I, I I love this part of the process. Love. I love refining and and articulating in ways with your composer your needs and the ways in which it delivers or goes off course it's always a leap of faith though because you're talking in abstractions when about music and it is the most immediate emotional response that people have temp music the temp you choose is a great guide for your composer I think on an earlier from back on palindromes when I worked with Nathan Larson I used a score from Rosemary's Baby and that explained to him what I was looking for the quality I needed yeah and so its it was less of me giving some speech and more uh, nudging in those directions
0: yeah Rosemary's baby there. Is is that something that you're a real fan of is music, you know, in film as, as a film fan, as someone who watches films. I love a good score.
1: <laughs> I I love music I love. And yes, if I I, I think I, I may have said earlier, if I had the talents I'd be a musician. I suppose the one silver lining is that if you're a musician in some sense it's your job. But for me it's not a job, it's just all pleasure. La, la.
0: I love the fact that I think I heard you say that your first two films that you saw were musical films, Mary Poppins and Sound of Music. Very different use of music in film, but quite brilliant. Well,
1: (laughs) you know, I I don't know how, as a a little boy, I was taken to those movies, Radio City musicals. It was a big event. Wow! they stayed with me and I tormented my siblings with my uh, continued singing every time we'd get in the car. Just shut up. (laughs) I just shut him up. That's what they would say.
0: Cream colored ponies and crisp apple strudels. Doorbells and sleigh bells and schnitzel with noodles. Wild geese that fly with a moon on their wings. These are a few of my favorite things stings when i'm feeling sad i simply remember my favorite
1: things and then i That was magical for me because I was not a cinephile, I was just a regular kid who went to the occasional movie that was a family children's movie, nothing that had any adult material. I don't think I was allowed to until I was off in college, you know. (laughs) But growing up, classical music is what I listened to and was absorbed by, though I was aware of pop from my older siblings. You know, the funny thing about music is that it's often very much tied into one's social milieu, and there's a certain kind of status that often gets attached to the kind of music one is listening to, and judgments are so often made. Teenage bearing Said Uncle Dave, I saw my soul, must be saved. Gonna take a walk down Union Square, you never know. Who you are gonna find there, you gotta run, 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 take a dagger too. Run, 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 jib to death in you. Tell you what to do. If in fact you uh, someone actually saw your most played songs. It it would be it, it, like the great humiliation. That's what you're <laughs> really listening to. I thought you were just Lou Reed, and then I see you've got this secret thing for Petula Clark.
0: Oh, oh, yeah. I love that. It's one of those things where a song comes on and you don't even realise that you know all the words to it.
1: I'm actually very bad with lyrics. In fact, I tend to be uh, so overtaken by the sound of the music. The music is so powerful. I could be singing some Nazi anthem, but I I, I only realised it after the 100th 100th playing. (laughs) I said, oh, my God, what is this song about? Happy people pass my way Looking in their eyes, I see It has such a visceral impact yeah. you have to know that balance of lyric and music what the audience is going to hear and what's important what they need to hear and what they don't need to hear
0: you've used some wonderful artists Belle and Sebastian yeah. being one of them. Was that through you being a fan of the band that you, you wanted to? Someone
1: had introduced them to me, and I, I loved the sound, and it seemed right for the characters, mm. protagonists in that section of the film. And I really was astonished that they were keen on what I do or what I did. And I guess all nine of them came over and recorded something in material in New Jersey, in Hoboken, I think. It was funny because they did compose a lot of stuff and there was a difficult situation because sometimes they would compose things that would be really wonderful, but just because I love the song doesn't mean it's right for For the the movie. And that was a difficult thing I think for them to appreciate. And I think we're a little frustrated because I would say I love it, but not use it. hard to accept the idea that something can be really good, yeah. but that doesn't mean it's really right. I'd love to have worked with Marlon Brando, but I didn't have the part for him. Uh, you, there are a lot of great people I'd love to work with, but if they're not the right person, not the right sound, yeah. uh, then you can't use it. It doesn't make sense. So... Oh my God, Scooby. I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. Don't be. movies a hit I mean ultimately I got what I needed and I'm happy with everything we got but I think it was a learning curve
0: can we talk about a couple of your other films specifically about kind of music in them i mean welcome to the dollhouse which you know, you've got that wonderful use of classical whether it be um, chopin and Tchaikovsky, that's in there what was the kind of thinking behind how you wanted to to use music within welcome to the dollhouse
1: that was scary because the score such as it was uh, i had a musician a uh, friend who composed these songs in advance of the shooting, but the score itself, well it was easy enough to I I used Carnival of the Animals I think at one point and Defia for some ballet and that was easy enough to, to figure out the score, that sound when Dawn Wiener's sitting alone on her bed, I needed a certain kind of intensity, and my composer just jammed it right there in the minutes before we were mixing the movie. It's always very stressful, because I had no fallback, but she totally delivered. Uh, That was Jill Wissoff. But um, it's always scary with music. I've been lucky so far. Yeah, but she can't play. She's punished.
0: The, the performances you get out of your young actors is phenomenal. Heather is Maturazo played young Dawn. Just such a memorable performance.
1: She was a natural and it was really a, a question of like, give me a, a little bit more, a little bit less. She was a gifted child.
0: When you say he'd go out with any girl, as long as they're willing to go all the way, does that mean they have to also be pretty?
1: You know Tammy Steinfeld from Carpool? Yeah. Okay, do you think she's pretty?
0: Not that pretty, really.
1: Dawn, she's a dog. And he did it with her. The one who played her little sister was not, but what I did at the audition was I found she could mimic a line reading. And that's what I had her do, in fact. So everything she did was a line reading that I would give her the line reading and she would mimic it back to me. So as artificial as that was, you would never know it because I just cut myself out. So with every kid, with every actor, it's a different approach you may need in order to get something that's gonna feel truthful. adapt if an actor wants me to hold her hand I'll hold their hands. if they say don't talk to me I don't I, okay peace you know <laughs> yeah. so it's always about being adaptive to the needs of your actors because they're the most important thing it seems the things I've wanted in my life I've never had so it's no surprise that living only leaves me sad happiness where are you search along with you happiness what are you
0: talk about casting and stuff and Philip Seymour Hoffman's character in Happiness with his complete infatuation with the woman and getting that chemistry right, is that an obvious thing straight away for you in terms of when you're casting it?
1: Nothing's obvious to me. I I, I feel there's so much luck. I, I, I go on instinct. I have material that I feel has a certain charge to it and I have an instinctive sense of what these actors can bring. Mm-hmm and it's a leap of faith i don't know i could ever really begin to talk to her i mean what what can i talk about i have nothing to talk about i'm boring i know i've been told before so don't tell me it's not true because it's a fact i bore people people look at me and they get bored people listen to me and they zone out bored who is that boring person they think i've never before met anyone so boring Bill uh, had uh, read for me, this is years ago, yeah. and I think I was in love with his clammy handshake, and that's really what sold me. I mean, he actually I had a callback with him because his first reading I, I wasn't so happy with. And my auditions, they are my rehearsals. And once I knew what I could get out of him from that audition, I wasn't worried. I just had to give him that confidence so he could make that leap of faith, that trust in me that he wouldn't feel embarrassed and ashamed of this performance. Yeah. Because he was uh, dealing with stuff that was very difficult. Hello?
0: I know who you are, and
1: you are nothing.
0: You think you are f- something, but you are f- nothing.
1: You are empty. You are a zero. You are a black hole. And I'm going to f*** you so bad, you're going to be coming out of your ears. That's the thing, you have to embrace head on. And I say, you know, don't ever try to be funny. Leave that to me. I don't want irony from you. I'll take care of that. What I want is an emotional uh, grounding, truthfulness and authenticity, all of that from them. Yeah. And and then I, I place it in a, a, another context, which, which gives it other meanings.
0: Yeah. last thing before I let you go, unfortunately, on Welcome to the All Size, that scene where Brendan and Dawn head off on a what you think is going to be an ordeal. You yeah. used music so perfectly oh, in that. Which yeah, that just... was
1: Greek. It was a piece of Greek that I found. Because I wanted to, in the same way that I used some Mozart aria from Cosi fan with Phil Hoffman, you want to go and counterbalance the sordid with the sublime. Here, this is a 13-year-old kid who is threatening to rape a, an 11-year-old girl. And so I, I gave it this, this very beautiful classical operatic sound. And it's that friction and that counterbalancing effects that really can be so beautiful.
0: It has been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Um, thank you so much for your time and thank you for Wiener Dog. It's an absolutely beautiful film. It stayed with me four or five days after seeing it. It's where well. I'm still sort of thinking about things from each kind of little vignette. So I can't wait for your next project.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. As used by Todd Solondz during Welcome to the Dollhouse, that Solvig song by Edward Grieg. My thanks to Todd for taking the time to talk to us on the release of his latest film, Wiener Dog. Now, you can find a track list for this show by heading to edithbowman.com, where you can also subscribe to this podcast so as you don't miss a single episode. We also have a dedicated Facebook page and Spotify account, which allows you to hear the music we feature in the order it appears. I'm Edith Bowman, and you've been listening to Soundtracking, our weekly celebration of music in film, out every Friday, Friday, For our next instalment, I'll be joined by the man behind The Hangover Trilogy, Todd Phillips, whose new film War Dogs is based on the extraordinary true story of two highly unlikely arms dealers. He loves his music and is very entertaining. So I look forward to the pleasure of your company then.